Hello, everyone, and welcome back to the ABZ Show with me, your host, Abe. Today, we have a very special guest. We have Sammy. Hi, Sammy. Hey, Abe. How are you doing? Thanks, man, for having me on. Oh, it's a pleasure. It's always a pleasure to talk to you. Sammy, please tell my audience who Sammy is and what do you do? Uh, my name is Sammy Tamawi. I'm Egyptian. Uh, I live here in the UAE. Uh, I work currently as the CTO of uh, Tribe Tactics, uh, a startup based in Ireland. And I also do CTO as a service, which is uh, kind of a, a new level of technical consultancies that is scattered specifically to help entrepreneurs building their uh, technical product. Uh, my background, I studied computer engineering. I worked first as Android developer and then from Android development uh, to senior Android developer. And then I started to move into the management, the technical management, the leadership. Uh, co-founder in Insido, which is a startup here based in, uh, in Dubai, uh, Brand Ribbler as well, uh, co-founded it and worked there as a CTO. Then I joined Dubizil uh, here in the UAE, uh, worked with them for a few years. And then, uh, and now I'm uh, with uh, Trap Tactics and I'm doing the CTO of the service, both of them. Amazing, amazing, amazing. It's a very, um, I would say, very interesting career, especially, you know, you've worked with a couple of really cool startups here and there. Um, I know we never crossed paths, me and you and Divisal, uh, but I know how the culture was. And uh, I think uh, Divisal, the things that they, we've done and the things that they've experimented in was always, always exceptional, in my opinion. And always they did always did some, some great things. So, okay. So t tell me, Sammy, the big question right now. Any startup founder in the technology field, not a technical founder. The big question, do I hire an agency or do I hire internally? Please answer that $1 million question. I think uh, if that there is no straightforward uh, answer for this and it comes down always to the context. Uh, there is uh, it, the fact that you have money uh, versus you trying to be lean, it makes a big difference. The fact that you're also very confident about your idea and you have... Uh, uh, and you already validated it or it's validated in the market, play also a big factor in this. i give you an example. So if I'm starting an idea here, uh, it's something new, nobody have created, and I'm working on my own, self-funding it, then it make more sense not to hire full-time people. Because in this situation, you kind of, uh, hiring is, it's, it, first of all, it's a mission to find the right talent, which is gonna waste a lot of time for you at the beginning. Plus also it's a long-term commitment. And these, these, this team have like, not only have to be paid on the, uh, regularly, but also they, they need to have a career path, they need to grow within the company, they need to be fully utilized, and also uh, feel that they are learning and growing, otherwise they will uh, leave the company. So it's a lot of commitment to deal with at the beginning when hiring a team. Uh, and, and, and this is not really advised at the beginning if you're not really confident about your idea. If you're not confident about your idea, exploring something new uh, or working on a project that is slightly high risk, then it's always better to, to go for an agency because it's a short-term commitment. Uh, they have already the skill set. Uh, if it's worked, amazing, then you can always make the transition and hiring people full-time in-house. Uh, if it didn't work, your loss definitely is way less than it, it would have been if you went to the other direction, which is hiring full-time people. Uh, so that that's that's one approach. I always, always like advice for young entrepreneurs or who are just starting their first product or even sometime if they are starting their second startup uh, next to the first one that is already running. I always advise, to be honest, to start to explore uh, agencies first. Uh, so even if you have the in-house team, it's also 
it's it's a lot of effort and a lot of uh, hassle to disturb the flow that and the cadences that is already there in place uh, that the team have to work on your first startup. So it's good explore on the side, and if once you have the confidence and once you know uh, your plans financially, then uh, you can make bigger decisions such as hiring people in uh, in house. You know, uh, you've mentioned a couple of things, and um, you know, I, I've built a couple of companies, and you know, technology. Um, I'm not a tech person at all, but you know, I now can speak a bit of tech because I've learned over the years, right? But uh, but what you say makes a lot of sense, and. Um, and there's something else that I want to touch on. And I think a lot of founders, you know, they have an idea what they want to build, but they don't have the roadmap. And that's why that one person that they're going to hire or two people might not fulfill what people want to build. And this is where an agency can come in who has different skill sets. You know, they could say, you know, we this has to have a security angle. This, uh, you know, you need more uh, back end. You want a couple of web design, web developers, like depending on what, what you're looking for. And then they would come up with a solution. Yes, if you break it down, you say, okay, maybe I need to, I can hire all these separately. But you said something very crucial is efficiency and making sure that the tech team is busy. The worst thing is when the tech team doesn't know what they're building and they're sitting down waiting for instructions. You know what I mean? Um, because that is definitely tech talent is usually not a cheap talent to keep on board and they have to stay motivated because, you know, they move on on their own. Right. So they, they, they find, they want to stay busy. They want, they want to keep using their heads and brains. So this is something that's very important. And for me, my answer was if, if it's something innovative, I always have to have a, a co-founder that's technical. But if I don't have that, I'll always go with the agency until we found out what we need to build and what's the tweaks and what needs to happen there. You know, we go through the whole ideation and then we go through building the actual thing. And, you know, that's, that, that is a process that you need more than one brain, in my opinion. I think I also want to add a comment on the last thing you said, which is that uh... I either have a co-founder, a technical co-founder, or go for an agency. Uh, like I think if you if you have the perfect technical co-founder who n- knows how to communicate with you uh, on board and buying into the idea, and also know how to build up a team and scale everything and like taking care of everything, replacing it by with an agency might by max max only fulfill seventy percent of what this co-founder could do. And the reason why here is there's always going to be conflict of interest because the more work you give this agency, the more money they will get out of you. Uh, but on the other hand, your co-founder would not want to give themselves uh, more work. So they will always think of the most effective way to build things so they can achieve more within the same quarter, within the same time frame. So there will always be this. And this is the only downside that founders need to take care of at the beginning when they work with the agencies. Because unfortunately, a lot of the agencies that have experienced and worked with or helped some of the clients with, any, anything, you tell them anything I want to build. Regardless, if they know it, they don't know it, they understand even some of them, they don't even understand the requirement. They, they never explore, they never use the tech stack. They will tell you, yes, I'm going to do it for you. And then you have to deal with the consequences later. Let's say the... the, the, the deliver buggy product or they deliver late. It does happen a lot. So you need to really be careful in this. That's why if you if it's challenging for you to find the technical co-founder or you're not blessed enough to have somebody in your uh, 
uh, network or in a network of your network, then I think it's always advisable to have somebody, a third party, to be your the, the person that's out of this co uh, conflict of interest, to be the judge sometimes, to, to validate what you need to do. Uh, is it really worth it or no? And do we need to build it in this way or no? Because building uh, any technical feature can have, you can do it in a million ways. And there is a very dirty way, quick, and there is a very well-engineered way. But it's all about what do you need. So you need really somebody who really find the right balance. So you don't have to over-engineer things because it comes down with a cost. And also you don't have to build things in a poor quality way that also come down in a short uh, short-term uh, impact or consequences yeah yeah agreed agreed and, and and you know like maybe this is from my side and you know this is something that i've experienced is a lot of times people uh you know uh, in tech especially people keep saying that you need to build quick fast you know what i mean and uh, from my personal experience from the the couple of startups that i've had in technology we always build something and then literally a year later we threw it out and built something else um, on two levels it's more scalable and from all the lessons learned you know what I mean and and that's and that's in my opinion again from my experience the logical way to do things because a lot of people overthink especially non-technical um, uh, founders especially founders that come from very big corporates or consulting agencies they think it has to be done right from the first time how many times have you thought of re-engineering the app uh, you know what i mean like i remember that my days at dubizel or my days at Akhtabut or any of those a lot of times we had to give up halfway through and say you know what let's build another one you know what i mean so um and, and it's it's something that is very common in every technology company and also keep in mind uh more um tech abilities and more tech tools are coming out that uh, what what we can do today is not what we could do two years ago. So the tools themselves changed. Yeah, that's that's usually. I think this is usually the case with startups because startups like you have this pressure that you have limited amount of money or resources that you wanna kind of make it before you run out of them. So you wanna really move fast. So you don't have much time of exploring and testing. Uh, so you kind of you try to to make some educating educated guesses and to to build the right thing. But you have to move fast. But also you don't have enough uh, historical data to validate your hypothesis. Uh, while in, in a bigger scale companies, something like uh, like the big corporate companies, you usually have more confidence, you know the direction, or at least you have solid idea on the business model that you're gonna follow. And uh, here you try to also still move fast, but in, instead of moving fast, you start to experiment fast, uh, in my opinion. So experiment fast, while when you assure yourself that what you have experimented is valid, then you start to build it slow. Because corporates, I think they build for scale, they build for, uh, let's say, a huge amount of users, or they build for the future for five or 10 years. Uh, so it's, it's important also to pay attention to the details, the infrastructure, the scalability, the maintainability, writing tests, and all this kind of, you know, technical auxiliary work that has to be done around every single feature. With, with a startup, it's always, always, always like build fast, build fast, which is valid. Uh, but also like as the, the earliest you start to uh, incorporate data into your decisions, the more confident uh, decisions that you will uh, start to be taking. Agreed 100%. And you know what? You said it yourself. It's people need to make decisions. <laughs> I think that's yeah. the problem with, you know, especially when people, first time founders have this problem. They're like, uh, 
you know, they even go down to like even language. Should we do this language or this? And I'm like, guys, you know, you're not going to do the work yourself. Whoever you pick, if they can build it in whatever language, let them build it for you. You know what I mean? Like, and, and, and a lot of it is just, I think, as you said, I think knowledge, people do not know better. You know, they can just say, hey, look, I, uh, I built it on Ruby or I built it on Python. Or, you know what I mean? Like, and what does that really mean to an, an average uh, founder? Nothing. But for a tech guy, they were like, okay, I'll worry about security or I'll worry about whatever, whatever that language is made out of. So, which brings me back to my next point. So now let's say I want to start something. What do I look for to hire a CTO? Like what would you look for to hire a CTO? Uh, I think one of the most important things that founders need to take care of and when they come, uh, when they hire a CTO or they found CTO is the compatibility. Uh, because uh, the problem here is when founders don't have much knowledge about the, the, the technical black box that they are dealing with, then everything is being said to them, it's going to sound like Chinese. And uh, this is not a problem. The problem here comes down later when you start to get used to ignore all the details of your product. Uh, because let's say you completely trust this person or uh, maybe like you just don't bother or you know that you won't understand or make you feel insecure. That, that, that there is a million reasons why you might be doing this. Later on, this always backfire and impact the motivation of the CTOs. And I've seen this myself. Because after some time, you really like CTOs comes and, and they want to come kind of like, I'm talking about small on a startup. You want to take pride of what they have done. They want to, they, they, sometimes they need help in just taking the decision. There are two different paths and the details here is what matter. So when you start to, as a CTO, get, okay, no, 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 it's okay. Just tell me the result. So is it working or not working? Like you take, you decide. Then you're going to like, you, you will feel like you are on your own. And then it impacts the motivation. And also as a founder, you start to have less empathy towards what's happening because you're not getting into the details enough for you to know that, yes, it's too challenging to get it right. And you're just dealing, guys, you said you're going to do it. Why didn't do it? You start to see things from very high level and then you will start to have less empathy towards your team. And as a result, you know, like the, the, the relationship definitely might, might get impacted. So have, uh, have a founder, a CTO, who is able to explain to you the team complex technical concept in a very simple terms, which is doable. It is not rocket science. A lot of people can do it. This is a must, especially for people who really want to build a, a really successful product. This is really a critical point for my opinion. Uh, another thing also, you want to make sure that like you stay away from the CTO who is extremely overly passionate about building uh, amazing engineered product. Uh, and I will tell you why this, because sometimes just there are a lot of engineers who love to build the, and use the latest technology, uh, regardless what's happening in the, the business perspective. So a new programming language came, he's excited about learning something new, and then he, he will try to convince you, let's use this new programming language. And it's a big decision. And if you're using a programming language that is immature, you're not gonna find community support when you try to hire, you find it very challenging for this. So you want to make sure that the person who have that you are choosing have an element of understanding of what does it mean to to take business decisions. What is because at the end of the day, everything is comes down to money, right? What you spend and hopefully what you will get eventually. So if the person that you're dealing with does not understand this or does not want to 
have this kind of level of compensation, then it's going to be very challenging for you. And you might be paying a lot of the, uh, the price that you won't know uh, that you paid until later on when things backfire or you will be in a problem. And you might not even know back then. It's, to, to, to summarize, I think you need somebody who is able to explain to you the technical concept into very simple business. Second, you need somebody who is not overly passionate about building tech for the sake of it. You need somebody who have the right balance between the business and tech. And third, have understanding of what does it mean to manage people, how to communicate with people, how to motivate your team. So I think these three factors are very key, important factors to, to find your, the right CTO that can help you in your journey. Amazing, amazing. And I want to add a fourth one, which you mentioned, which is culture fit. They need to culture. They need to fit the culture. You know, you walk in. Um, I'll give you a personal story. So, um, I once upon a time I worked for a telecom engineer. I'm not going to say the name, and uh, they outsourced obviously globally their tech. You know, it was in the U.S., it was in India, it was in Philippines, it was everywhere in the world, right? And you know. Going from that kind of environment where people came in in a suit, even, and they were like, you know, they were either network engineers, they were software developers, they were uh, all kinds of application developers and stuff like that, to going into the full startup culture, like, you know, you mentioned you worked at Dubizzle, I worked at Dubizzle, the whole contrast, it that the person who has been used to that environment in a telco cannot work in that environment, the startup-y feel environment and vice versa. I think culture plays a very, very, very big part, part of this. And, and you know, like I always keep saying, um, I'm quoting one of the many leaders, maybe even Charles Schwab's, if I can remember, you know, culture does eat strategy for breakfast. So let me ask you this other question in one tech sense. So what's the difference between the chief product officer and a chief technical officer? Uh, chief technical officer is from its name it's uh, mainly focused the rule itself is mainly focused on building the technical aspect of the product chief product officer it's the direction of the product building so basically what the product should do is uh, the chief product officer how the product should function to achieve what you want the product to do is the technical officer but a lot of the time in the startups you find the chief technology officer is taking care of the product as well so like uh, they decide you have, usually you have a skinny team model, one developer back end, one front end, one designer maybe, and, and they usually do the, 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 the project management stuff and then they take the decision collaboratively. And then once as, as the product grow, then you start to see the demand of taking more informative decision, uh, data-driven decision, and here comes the product person. Uh, if, if the company is lucky enough, then usually I think at the beginning, the CEO act a lot as a product person, because they try to direct the, the product owner, let's guys build this feature, absolutely this competitor is doing this, let's do it this way, and, and so on. But in medium size to big companies, they are doing completely different things. So the product, they usually look at historical data, what, what is it, they do market analysis, they try to validate the ideas of the features or the changes that they need to do in the product and come with specs, as you say, and then the technical team start to look at it from the technical perspective, how we will build it, do we need to change in the future, and try to squeeze the vision of the product person to understand how do they see this feature two years from now, because it makes big difference of how am I going to implement it right now. So I can implement it in a way that makes it easy for me to change in the future, or just do it exactly as you said, and then later on when you want to make a change, I have to re-implement it again. So these kind of decisions, and all the auxiliary and supplementary work that need to be done around it, like 
performance. So product person not gonna tell you about the performance usually. So this is something that you need to figure out. How can you make the, the response fast? How you to secure the product? What aspect to take care of? How to test it? How to release fast? All of this comes under the umbrella of the chief technology officer. And then everything product related, direction of the product, how to use it. And usually they work closely also with the designers. All of this comes under the, the, the product, but they usually work very closely together. I always think the product guy is the guy who milks the journey to make sure that they make as much money as possible while the technical guy is, and I see it as like the technical guy building the street and the product guy is the guy lining up the street and building the, yeah. you know, the, the nice scenery, you know, like they're, they're, they're together and they, they need to be forced. Uh, and uh, you know what? And both of them need to be very business focused because they're the ones that are really driving the, the product, you know, from that side. So I'm going to ask you a question that is a bit out of uh, this topic. And I ask every one of my um, guests to do that. Which superhero would you pick to be you as Sammy? Or if you had the uh, choice of a power, superpower, what would that be? Tell me. I know it's a different kind of question. It is. It is a weird question. I think uh, uh, I'm not really into superheroes because I, I, I'm really very realistic person. And even the sci-fi movies and anything that I like, oh, he flies. Okay, I'm, I'm off. Change the movie. Uh, I would say the most realistic superhero that I found was, uh, in my opinion, I think Iron Man, uh, because he's, he's a human being at the end of the day, but he uses technology to start to kind of empower himself with these tools. So uh, I think this is my kind of superhero that I would uh, really, because it looks realistic. It's science-based, uh, research-based, a lot of try and error. And this is how it actually works in life. And in and Iron Man direction is doable. And I think it's already the, the world is getting towards it very soon. Uh, when it's come to all the, you know, like flying right now, we see people flying around with, with, the, with the air jets. So you see, uh, you know, the, the artificial soldier and all this kind of stuff. So that's, that's the story. What would be the superpower that I would love to uh, have? I think lightning, light speed reading. If I have this power, I think I'm 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 done. It nice. would allow definitely to to read a lot of these books. I can tell, I can tell, and I've read a lot of these books as well. So, what is your favorite book to read? Uh, I would say uh, one of my favorite books is the Compound Effect. I'm not sure if you heard about this book or not, but uh, the Compound Effect is a the the it's it's a very interesting book. <clears throat> it's a medium size, but I think the concept of it when you really get it right you realize the value of every single small action and move and improvement that you take either on yourself, on the product that you're trying to build uh, or uh, investing in a team relationship or building a culture around and how they can later on re reward back to you in a very exponential way. Uh, and this is the whole concept. Like it starts first by simplifying it and explaining you know, how does it work in the interest in the markets. Let's say you have 10% interest second year 10% of the 110% and so and so and so after a few years you have like it could potentially double and this is the same thing with everything and the reason why I found it very interesting and one of my favorite books is because a lot of the time when you <clears throat> when you're not that motivated let's say because you had a bad day you're down and then you start to undervalue the, the or underestimate the value that you might get from something small. I actually haven't read, but I will definitely check it out. Uh, I am looking for a good book to read. I have uh, I have a couple of uh, good books uh, on my plate to read, but uh, 
definitely it sounds like something that i would want that i would enjoy in yeah. saying that uh, i want to thank you very much for coming on to the show i think it was uh, uh, great to pick your uh, brains on especially that big honestly dilemma of uh, cto versus agency versus how to hire a cto and what do they do and stuff like that thank you very much sammy um and uh hopefully i would see you soon in saying that we do have a hashtag that i want everybody to follow it's hashtag real talk no nonsense until next time thank you very much thank you sammy thank you so much thank you